0: Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. All right. Hey, welcome. Good to see everybody at the church at Sturkey Hills. Y'all look good today. I am glad you are here. And that is just a highlight video of our student ministry. And let me just uh, do a little plug for that. If you have a student or a grandchild or a neighbor who has a student that's between 6th and 12th grade, we want you to bring them on Wednesday night from 6 to 8. We'll feed them. They'll get in groups. They'll have a good time together. Clark is a better preacher than I am. He'll speak into their soul. and, And you need to be a part of that. And so I want to encourage you uh, to invite your friends, your neighbors, and bring your students to come be a part of that on Wednesday night and you won't be disappointed. It's good, good stuff. In fact, I'm so proud of Clark and all of his ministry. He and Kelsey, what they do in student ministry, and so, uh, so confident in his preaching. I'll be in Africa next week, and he'll be preaching for me. Now, that's not a license for you to miss. Uh, that is an encouragement for you to be here, uh, because he's going to double back, and we're, as we cover our mission objectives, which are, uh, which are knowing, growing, and going, knowing Jesus intimately. I talked about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's going to dive into it next week. I promise you, you will learn something about salvation if you show up next week. You need to be here. It's going to be really good. And then the following week, I'll still be in Africa. But I want you to be here because we have something spectacular lined up for the first Sunday of our Missions Emphasis Month. So we want you, I'm gonna tell you what it is. You have to be here, and if you don't show up, you'll just be jealous of the people who showed up. So there you go. I want you to be here. Now, we are continuing in this, our mini series called DNA It's Who We Are. We want you to know who this church is, and we want you to know why this church is how. It is. We want you to know how we do things and why we do them. We want you to know what God's expectation for the church is biblically. We want you to know what your particular part is in God's kingdom agenda through the local church. It's good, good stuff. And so if you haven't received one of these, they're located at the little table as you exit. Grab one, read through it, share it with a friend. It'll help you know more about your faith and about the church that you are uh, partnering or choosing to potentially partner with. And so we're talking about our mission objectives. And last week we moved to our second one, which is growing. A a church, the church of Jesus Christ is in fact a growing organism. It is not to be stagnant. It is not to be stationary. It's not to be the same in terms of dimension all the time. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It means he's going to build his church and it is my prayer, my goal, my hope that he builds it right here. And we've seen that to be true in the last eight years for this church to grow from about 50 to over 500 in weekly attendance. We see baptisms. We'll probably baptize nearly 50 people this year. God's doing something here. He's building his church. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus doing what Jesus does. And I'm excited to be a part of a church that Jesus is building. Aren't you excited to be a part of a church that's alive? Say amen. Amen. All right, that sounds like a live, about a third. Now, here we go. Uh, hopefully, by the end of it, you'll be excited. We want you to be excited about the local church because it's an amazing thing, the institution that, that God <clears throat> put into place. Now, to, to understand, to unwrap, or discover what it means to grow as a community of Jesus followers, I used the, the sermon title, one word, last week, and it'll extend to this week. Here's the word circle. That's what we are. As believers in Jesus, people who have committed ourselves to Christ to be the Lord of our life, the Savior of our life, collectively, we find ourselves in a circle, a large circle with Jesus at the epicenter of it all. And, and, and for the church to be everything that God intends it to be, in this world, it's important that it's not just a a, a country club. It's important that the circle is comprised of people who are um, changing, who are growing. And so we talked about last week, the circle, uh, just to kind of help us see it, um, by definition is this, it's a round plane figure whose boundary is called the circumference and it's comprised of points equidistant from the center. So that's what we are. Jesus is the center, and we all come together. And, and, and by definition, also, socially, a circle is a group of people with shared professions, entrance, interest, or acquaintances. So that's what we are. We're a circle. Welcome to the circle. Glad you're part of the circle. But for the circle to be everything it needs to be, it's got a lot of work to do. You see, and sometimes a church circle grows, and if they don't do what they need to be doing inside the circle, it never Comes to fruition everything that God has in, uh, in store for the local church. Now, for the church to be everything, it includes you. It's not, a, it's not just a big group of people. It includes you. You're in the game. You've got to be engaged. And we talked about last week for the circle to grow and be everything it should be, it requires that you grow personally. Now, that just means, obviously, you know, you just don't put on weight. That would be growing personally. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you grow personally in your walk with God. You understand what it really means to be a child of God. And we try to help you with that. We talked about last week that not only should you grow personally, you should be engaged in growing spiritually. It means this, as you develop and understand personally who you are as a child of God, you begin to understand there's a spiritual dimension now of you, and there's a spiritual uh, um, arena out there that's unseen. And we understand that, that part of that is the Holy Spirit who comes and lives in us. And when he comes and lives in us, he brings a welcome to the family fruit basket we talked about last week. So if you're a child of God within you, you have the fruit of the Spirit in you. Also, if you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit gives you gifts. He's given you talents and abilities. And so to grow spiritually means you begin to unpack that, understand that, who you are, and you engage those. You, they're in you, you let them out. And you use them, allow God to use them. For his kingdom agenda through the local church, and then thirdly, we talked about you personally need to be growing faithfully. In the three categories, there's a lot of categories, but to sum it up, three primary categories: you need to grow faithfully in regards to your talents, those things that God has given you. You need to grow in that, develop those, let God use those. He gave them to you. You need to grow not only in your uh, in your talents, but in your time. You need to assign God time on your schedule. Pray, read your Bible. Attend church every week on Sunday. You're supposed to do that. It's not something the preacher wants. It's something that the Bible instructs us. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, such as is common to some, even more so as you see the day approaching. It means the closer we get to the return of Christ, which I believe is close, the more we should desire to be together with our brothers and sisters that we're going to spend eternity with. Now, not only that, but we talked about when when individuals in the church... Um, Devote themselves and they grow personally, spiritually, and faithfully. The church grows numerically. We talked about it. We're not afraid of numbers. I'm proud of numbers. I'm not scared of them. Your pastor's about numbers. I told you that last week. God's about numbers. Uh, uh, Numbers are all throughout the Bible. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. It's just something we created. Okay, we should be about the numbers because we should be concerned about the Lord's church and the people who are not part of it. Yet. And so we grow numerically. Now, as the church, as the circle grows numerically, we have to do things. We have to be very intentional in how we operate so that God continues to breathe over it and needs are met and the gospel is shared both locally and around the world. Now, it's not something that I want as a personal agenda. I like it, but it's not what I wrote. It's not the story I wrote. You can read it in the Bible. If you read the 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 New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you get to the book called Acts. It's the actions of the apostle. It's the early church. And so just to kind of walk through it, so you'll see this, this is just how it works. In Acts chapter one, we have 120 believers. And quite honestly, I don't even know if they all knew each other, but that's how many you have. Scripture tells us the number. And then the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost and the church is launched. It's birthed. And and, and then Peter preaches in Acts chapter two and 3,000 people got saved. It's a pretty good day for the church. And then you keep reading in Acts chapter 2, and the Bible says the Lord began to add to their church number, number, daily. He was adding people every day, okay? And then it goes on in Acts chapter 4, now they have 5,000 men, it says, were believers. No doubt they had families, wives, and children. So fifteen or 20,000 people, and you're only four chapters deep into the life of the church. It's pretty cool, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on and it says uh, in Acts chapter 5, A multitude of men and women. The Greek word is a plethos. We use the word plethora. Just a mass of people now are following Jesus and the church is growing. Then he goes to Acts chapter 6 and the number it says was increasing by multiplication. He moved from adding to the church to multiplying the church. This is Bible. This is not a preacher with an agenda. This is what Jesus said he's going to do when he said, I'm going to build my church. Now, we keep reading in Acts 21, it says multiple thousands have now become believers. That church is what we, who we are supposed to be. A church that's engaged in a kingdom agenda of God rescuing the world from their sinful condition. To be a part of something like that is just stupid, incredible. You see that? You you, you are called and saved and commissioned to be a rescuer of people. Your job is to increase the size of heaven and deplete the size of hell. It's bigger than an average conversation. It's bigger than anything else in your life. And so as a church, we want to engage with that. We want to help you learn how to do that. We talked about it. My job is to equip you to help you, to encourage you, to motivate you, to go out and do God's work in the community. And we've gotten that sideways. We've confused it a little bit in today's world. And so as the church grows, which it will, when we act like a New Testament church, to grow smaller now, listen to me, it's important that we grow small. To grow larger, it's important that we grow smaller at the same time. You say, what does that even mean? How do we grow smaller why? While growing larger. Well, it's important we're going to see in the Bible that there's a way we do that. You see, in the church, we, when we come together like today for corporate worship, we, it's very little socializing. Very little relationship development happens on Sunday morning. We come together as we should and you sit in rows and you all look in one direction at somebody like me okay? That's what it looks like every week. There's no relationship. You're not doing any ministry. You see, we've confused it and we've bought the lie that your calling and your and, and, and your ministry is to come to church on Sunday and sit in rows. That's not it at all. Your calling and your ministry is what you do because you got equipped on Sunday what you do between Monday and Saturday, okay? That's your calling. The work of the ministry isn't in here. The work the ministry is out there. That's your calling. That's where your ministry is at, okay? That's why he's gifted you. That's why he's filled you with the Spirit, to engage in ministry work. Ergon is what it's called, diakoneo, service and ministry to others out there. Now, we do some ministry here. We try to develop ministry here, but it's really, we develop it here, we motivate it here, we encourage it here so we can go out there and do it. In the early church, if 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 I called on you right now. Let's just say I picked you out of the crowd. I'm, I might just do it. I'm just kidding. Okay. And I said, okay, I need you to stand up and tell me everybody's name. You'd go about six or eight deep and then you'd be toast. I, I had a guy one time, he was a mentalist. It sounds a little satanic, but it wasn't that. He was a Christian. And, and he had this amazing, he developed his mind. And I had him come and speak to about 300 people. And, and he said, all I want to do is stand at the front door when everybody comes in. And I want them to have a name card on. So 300 people walked in the door. He had never seen them before, okay? They came in the door, and they, they sat down. They ate a big dinner. We had our meeting, and he was the entertainment in the end. He did all these card tricks and all this, this fun stuff. At the end, he said, I need everybody to stand up. He rem- remembered 300 people's names. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, I, I'm thinking like other people. If I'm standing there and he hadn't called my name, it's because he forgot. No, because he hadn't got to that file yet. You see, there's nobody in here that is that guy. You, you ain't here. How'd I know? Because we didn't wear name tags. Otherwise, we'd all know most of them, right? We don't know anybody. We, don't, we know very few, few people. It doesn't happen sitting in rows on Sunday morning. Ministry happens when we're circled up in smaller groups between Monday and Saturday. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to know it's not something I created. It's something I'm created for. Relationship is not something we created. Relationship is something you and I are created for. Listen to me, it is in your DNA. Relationship is written in your humanity and we're going to see that today. I mean, it's amazing and yet it goes right over our head. We miss it and we never see it coming and so we're going to talk about that today. Meanwhile, We come to church and we live our lives. We pretend that we're connected, but without making connection. You say, what do I mean? I mean this. We pretend that we're connected, okay? We do all of this stuff on our phone. We text. (laughs) We do all this stuff. We text and we text and we text. I don't know why they call this a phone. They should call it a text Because most people, you look at your minutes, less of it talking, most of it texting. We've created an environment where we can't even have a one-on-one conversation with people because there's no way to rethink it, erase it, retype it, phone a friend, and ask an opinion. And so we're toast. We can't even have a conversation. Meanwhile, we've developed isolation and we call ourselves connected. Listen to these statistics Um, about our lives in America 47% of Americans say they are addicted to their phone that's half y'all look to your left look to your right it might be one of them it might be you but one of y'all is messed up now it goes on it says 71% check the phone in the first 10 minutes of the day you say well sure that's my alarm clock that's not included As soon as you turn off the alarm, what do you do? See if I got any text. Because it's important. Somebody thought of something really revolutionary in the middle of the night. That's what we do. 71% of us. The average person in America spends three hours per day on the phone. Three hours per day on the phone, which equates to 45 days per year looking at not all, not all screen time, just your phone. If you're a millennial or a Gen Xer, okay, you spend seven hours a day looking at your phone, which is 115 days a year. Man, we connected. Well, let's look at some other statistics at the same time, while we look at that information, listen to this. 52% of all Americans report loneliness. Not only that, 73% of the millennials and Gen Xers, the one who spend more time on their phone, 73% of them say they are lonely. 25% of Americans, Americans feel like they have no close friend. of Americans say that relationships with others are not meaningful. Loneliness is a problem. Studies, researchers, doctors in the medical field suggest that loneliness is damaging to your life. And it affects your life equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is a problem in our culture. Now, here's what's funny. How long has loneliness been a problem, man? Are you ready? I believe in a young earth. You don't have to. It's okay. It's what what position I take. I believe the earth is about 6,000 years old. That's just what the biblical timeline shows. Did you know loneliness showed up in day six of it all? We're going to see that today. Loneliness has always been a problem. And loneliness is a growing problem. Meanwhile, the church comes in and we meet together in this large group, sitting in rows, looking at a guy preaching, listening to a worship team sing, and we're not helping our loneliness. So as our church grows larger, it's important that we grow smaller. As our circle gets bigger, it's important that we offer smaller circles. And that is where relationships will be built. Now, don't get me wrong. We, we have things in place, small circles. As we speak, right now, behind this wall, there's two rows of rooms with children from newborn through fifth grade. And you know what they're doing? They're meeting in little circles back there, building relationships. It's funny. My, my grandson comes during the week to Parents' Day Out, and he has a little circle. And, and in his little circle, there's two boys that are twins and when, when, school, when PDO was starting back, we asked Major Boy, we said, Major, you going back to school tomorrow? He said, yeah. Who are you going to see? My friends. Who are your friends? He started naming his friends, Charlie, so-and-so. And then he got to the twins, and he said, Hudson and the other Hudson. <laughs> Which I don't get the other Hudson's name is three letters, Eli. It's easier to say the other Hudson, three, three words instead of three syllables. Now, here's the thing. He's got him a little circle, a little posse right there, right? Okay, that happens. Our our youth meet in circles every Wednesday night. They had a circle yesterday, went to Carowinds, rode roller coasters, got nauseated. It's a beautiful thing. And and so we have circles all the time. Our college ministry, meet in circles on Monday nights. Here a few weeks ago, they went to the lake and snatched each other around the lake on inner tubes in their circle. We have our senior adults, we'll go tomorrow to lunch, to Harrison's, but it's a circle. We have our men's ministry, we'll have a big event. We have a small circle called Man Up. In in January, we'll have Ot Defoe, a a, a bass angler. Uh, It'll be a big circle, just men, isolated circle. In in December, we'll have the women's tea, which will be amazing. Bunch of women sitting around circles in here. That's what we do. And relationships are are built there. We have circles where we grow together serving, like serving in the preschool children, serving in the youth, serving at the Connection Center, serving as greeters. We serve together. We do ministry together. I'm going to, uh, to Africa uh, Tuesday with a group. There's four of us in a small circle going over to do pastor's conferences in Africa. Small circles. But everybody needs to be in a circle. Look at the pastor right now. You came for something. Here's what you came for. You need a circle. Now, the circle begins in your family. It's a great circle. But the dimensions of that circle is always changing. Your children grow up, it's a sweet circle most of the time. They grow up and they go to college. They get married. And maybe they're far away, maybe they're close, but your circle's always changing. You need a a circle where you have relationship. And I want to show you, that's not something I'm telling you. It's something that you were created for. It's your DNA. It's, It's how you were made. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have friends that aren't Christians. But I'm saying your circle, your primary circle outside of your family should be Christian people. You need non-Christians in your circle. Otherwise, you can't really be salt and light. But your circle needs to be Christian brothers and sisters. It doesn't mean we're all cookie-cutter Christians, marching along, looking just alike, wearing the same clothes, saying the same words, speaking the same language. We're all different. Here's how it works. I am a born-again Christian. It means God radically saved me from the inside out. It means the Holy Spirit of God took up dwelling in my life. It means one day he'll call me home and I'll spend eternity with Jesus and God and the Spirit and all the saints who have gone before me, okay? That's who I am. Now, if you're here and you're born again and the Spirit of God lives in you, and you're adopted into the kingdom of God. You're a child of God. We're both children of God. You know what that makes us? Brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a relationship. When I baptize people, I often say if it's a young person, I baptize you my my brother, my little brother, my little sister. Okay? Because now we're in the family together. It doesn't mean we see eye to eye on everything. It doesn't mean we're just alike. Listen, I say things that many of you disagree with from time to time. And if I looked at your life, there's stuff you do in your life I would disagree with. I don't hate you for it. You don't hate me for it. I recently had somebody send me a text of why they would not join the church at Sturkey Hills. It was not unkind. It just revealed that we're on different planes in regards to the Word of God. And it's, it wouldn't work out for him. He's, it wasn't unkind. We're just different. But listen, it's you will never... 100% agree with brothers and sisters in Christ any more than you would agree with your brothers and sisters in the flesh. If you've ever had two children in your house, a brother and sister, do they always agree? <laughs> that's a joke. Okay, no, they don't. Do they, do they hate each other? It looks that way sometimes, but they don't, right? And that's the same with us as brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we're different. We're at different places in our journey. We disagree, but we continue to love each other. And so a relationship reaches beyond our differences when Jesus is in the center of the circle. Now, here's the thing. If you're a child of God, you and I should be BFFs. You know what that is, right? You think you know. I thought I knew. I thought I would look it up. So I did a little word search, an acronym search, if you will, to see what BFF is. BFF, if you look it up, athletically I didn't make these up BFF stands for the Bangladesh football federation (laughs) girls these little girls we BFFs we in the Bangladesh football federation right that's what it means athletically financially and we need this okay it means budget friendly foods it's an acronym if you if you read the stuff on finances how to track your finances it's budget friendly foods there does anybody know any budget friendly foods I took my family to a nice place for breakfast, Waffle House. It was Clark and Kelsey and the boys. It was Caitlin and Judson and Juliana. It was me and Kendra. We ate waffles and eggs and bacon, got us a drink. Are you ready? I dropped $93 at the Waffle House. I should have just came over and let DJ cook us some breakfast. I heard that was a real winner right there. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Budget-friendly foods, we need them. If you're in the tech world, computer world, Justin, Budget, uh, technically it means, BFF means a binary file format. Oh, there you go. That'll help you. Architecturally, on a set of plans, BFF shows up. It means below first floor. And then we have this one, best friends forever. Girls put that, they need to change that acronym to BFFN, best friends for now. Because tomorrow, me and you, we ain't the best friends anymore. I got me a new BFF in, okay? So I don't even know where that came from. I raised two girls. That's where it came from. So BFF, best friends forever. You and I as believers, we have a kindred spirit, man. This is cool, the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit lives in me, lives in you. And, and we're, we're supposed to be BFF. What does that mean? Best friends. And when our relationship is fixed in an eternal God, it extends into forever. For a billion years from now, a billion years from now, you and I will be together in heaven if you're a believer. And there's no sin. There's no difficulty. There's no sadness. There's no junk. There's no gossip and no lying. Okay, all that sin and it's removed. You know what that makes us literally? Best friends forever in Jesus I get excited about that because I've, I've got good friends. I can't imagine what friendship is when you take the junk out of this world. And so how do we get to there? I want you to know the church at Sturkey Hills is committed to helping you find a circle that you can build relationships with. So you just don't come on Sunday morning and sit in rows. You go out there and you begin to gather in circles you take the large circle, you circle up small circles, and you grow together in relationship. Now, you are made for relationship. Listen to what it says in Romans 12, verse 4 and 5. It says, So we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members who belong to one another. You see, God created you and me to be in relationship through the church, the context of the church. Ephesians 4, 15, 16 says, From him the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each one does its part, the body builds itself up in love. Each one doing its part in relationship with each other. It all grows and it becomes healthy and stronger. Ephesians two nineteen, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We're in this thing together. We're in relationship. We're in God's family together. John 13 35 everyone will know this will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another we're in relationship a love relationship we're bffs in Jesus name so as the big circle the church gets bigger we have to create smaller circles for relationship to develop and for ministry to happen and Jesus never loses his place in the center of it all now listen none of this works Your life doesn't work. This church doesn't work. A circle of relationship with brothers and sisters will not work if Jesus is not in the center of it. It's all about Jesus. Everybody say it's about Jesus. You're here because Jesus chose to create you. Everything is created by, for, and through Jesus. Okay? He's the catalyst that everything happens around And so it's the same in our circle. Now, it requires a lot of effort. To be in a relationship requires a lot of effort. If you're married, just say amen. Oh, you said that like you didn't believe it. We're having a marriage conference, and I'm going to let y'all teach it. Because y'all got it all figured out. If marriage requires a lot of work, if marriage relationship requires a lot of work, and you agree, say amen. I know some of you men, I'm afraid to say it too loud. She's right there, so I'm going to say it, you know, oh, amen, you know. No amen, okay? Every relationship requires effort. It doesn't happen without effort. If you're a parent and it requires effort to have a relationship with your child, say amen. If you're a child and it requires effort, or it's a young person, it requires effort to have a relationship with your parents, say amen. Amen. And the church circle is no different. These relationships are different people at different places in their life, and it requires a lot of effort. And so it's who we are. I want to show you that real, real briefly. Well, maybe not so briefly, but i want to show you anyway. Okay? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the doctrine of the Trinity, the trifecta God, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are uh, co-eternal and co existent and co-equal and they've been together forever and everything they do is in perfect peace and perfect unity and perfect harmony it's amazing that that requires a lot of work man they've been at it for like forever okay and they're still together kind of cool okay now you take that identity and you place it in you that identity, the identity of God is in you. Do you get that? You are an image bearer of that trifecta, triune, perfect, eternal God. That's how we were created. Now we messed it all up, but Jesus steps in to fix us and to begin to, to put us back in place so we start looking like them again. Am I so sure about this? Did I just make this up? Let's read this in a pop culture you know, magazine. No. In Genesis, right out of the shoot in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, on the back of your work, worship guide, point number one is God's plan for relationship. God planned you to be in relationship. He has a plan for it. This is what it says, not just with him, but with everything. Listen to this. In Genesis 1 verse 26, we find that we're supposed to have a relationship with God. This is then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, God said, God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son said, we say we create mankind and we'll make them like us. There'll be a relationship. They will be image bearers of us. It's his plan. Not only that, in verse 26, we see there's a relationship between us and the animal kingdom, for crying out loud. It says, so that, uh, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground, God assigned a particular relationship between us even and the animal kingdom. It doesn't stop there. Verse 7, now there's a relationship between each other, between people. He says in verse seven, uh, 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God assigned a working relationship. And, and in it, he wrote a, a DNA script that gave us two very specific, well-defined um, genders. Manhood, and womanhood and in that relationship there's a provision to procreate to reproduce and 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 even when those two can't reproduce they can still fill the earth through adoption which is a picture of the way God treats us as children adopted into his family there's a relationship between God the animal kingdom between each other there's even a relationship between you and plant life do you get that listen to what it says now in verse 29 went then God said I give you he's talking to mankind I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it and they will be yours for food you are a relational human being you're to be in relationship with the God who created you you're to be in relationship to the animal kingdom that we live in the plant life with each other you were made for relationship now That's God's plan for relationship. So so he wrote the plan. What does he think about his plan? What's his ideas? Does he like it? Well, he tells us. God's perception of relationship. This is what he said. I created everything to be in relationship with each other. Now what do I think about it? Look what he says in verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, if God investigates or surveys his handiwork and he's like, I knocked it out of the park, fellas. This is good. It just sounds good. No, it sounds just good. It's very good. Everything. This whole relationship thing I made is very good. Listen to me. If God is impressed with his own handiwork, you know where that puts us? We should be smitten by his handiwork. We should be beside ourselves at the glory and the greatness of his handiwork. He said, man, this stuff's very good. This is so good. He's excited, okay? So, so we understand his perception. And so right relationship is a part of his plan. We see his plan. We see his perception of his plan. Now watch God's provision. He doesn't just throw it out there. He gets very detailed. And part of his plan he emphasized, he drives home the significance that you and I are in relationship. He drives home the fact that he would look into time in the future at creation's door and see the year 2022, and he would see the statistics that I shared about our culture being alone. And this is what he says, Genesis 2:15 through 25. I'm going to read verse 18 only. The Lord God said... It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. Wow. God says loneliness is not a good player. You need to be in relationship. And he created somebody to be in relationship. So Adam was not alone. And I want you to know, I'm not talking about just marriage. There's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong with being a widow other than being lonely at times. Nothing wrong with being a widower. I want you to know God wants you to still be in relationship with other people. He doesn't want you to be lonely. You've got God, but he also wants you to have other people in your circle. So the problem is today, just like it was 6,000 years ago, God says it's very good, and the enemy, whether in heaven with the angels, whether in the garden with Adam and Eve, whether in your life and my life, what God says is very good, Satan comes along and he says, it's just not good enough. You see, when very good is no longer good enough, we look outside of God's design for our relationships, and that's when everything flips upside down. In your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your school, on your team, at your church. When very good, God's way is just not good enough, everything looks like 2022. When relationships with God are confused, when marriage relationships often in crisis, when family relationships are always in a bind and struggling when people find themselves more concerned about a hungry animal on TV than aborted babies, when we redefine marriage and include men with men and women with women and men who used to be women and women who used to be men, and it just gets all confused because no longer is very good good enough. Immorality and rebellion just seem to flood our world, and it all goes back to the root that what God designed for our relationships to be very good it was just not good enough. So, so what do we do? We're like, okay, we live in a mess. Nobody knows how to have good relationships. We're too busy on our phone. We don't have to have a conversation anymore. It's just all upside down. There's too many various ideas. Do we run from relationship? No. No. God wants you to be in relationship. So how do we do that? First, we repent of our sin. Acts chapter 3 says, repent turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That puts us back at ground zero. All of us at the foot of the cross, ground zero, sins forgiven. We're equal. We're, We're children of God who have been forgiven. And he says that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. He refreshes our relationship system. He reboots it. He uploads it. He gets it fresh. Number two, We've got to reclaim our original identity. 1 Corinthians five seventeen says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And what is old is passed away. And look, everything new has come. You, we've got to go back to ground zero, repent of our sin. And then say, God, I want to look like you. I want to go back to my original image. Help me walk Through this life, and when people look at me, they see somebody other than my old self. I want to be a new creature. I want to reclaim my identity from you, not from this ridiculous world who's so full of corruption and lies. Thirdly, we got to return to godly actions. Galatians 6, 9 says, We must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. we got to get back to just doing right. Just keep doing right make good decisions, listen to the right voices, read the right book, okay? We've got to do right and don't grow weary of it. And then lastly, we've got to make a recommitment to relationship. Built as James 2 verse 8 says, if you fulfill the royal law as expressed in this scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Relationship only happens when love abounds. Outside of love, relationship won't be there I don't care if you're talking about marriages adults uh, parents and children in the church love must abound for relationship to happen and we're here to help we're here to help okay so that's the story that's who you are you were built for relationship okay and now you're in this big circle right sitting in rows looking at a preacher so how do we create small circles okay it's back to me again now it's my job again I have to lead this church to equip you, equip us to be in circles. Now, this is where you come in. We're going to do our part to create circles. I'm challenging you. I'm asking you. You can call it beg. I don't care. I want you. I desire to you. I'm praying that you are in a small circle outside of the large circle. Now, why is that a problem? Why is, I mean, why is that a, a deal? Because, okay, our average attendance is about 525. Eight years ago, it was about 50. So how do we have relationship? Well, to run 525 in average attendance, it means statistically about 225 of our people attend almost every Sunday. Most of those 225 attend because they're connected, because they serve somewhere, they have some, a responsibility, and they've developed a... a, a, a a cycle in their life where they're just here almost every week. But that leaves another group of people who are coming about twice a month. Some of that group about once every two months. And some of the people that give us an average of 525 are CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. They show up a couple times a year. You put all them in a pot, divide it by 52, you get 525. Okay? Now what does that mean? It means to average 525 in attendance Every week at our church, it means we have between 900 and 1,000 people who, if you asked them on the street, hey, do you go to church anywhere? Yeah. Where do you go? The church at Turkey Hills, man. It's great. Some of them twice a year. Some of them every other month. Some twice a month and some every week. But they all call this their home. How do you have relationship with that kind of erratic craziness? Circles. Small Circles, in the big circle you say oh here we go it's a program it's a pro we got a new program pastors on a kick about groups what if i showed you in the bible that that's the way it's supposed to be would you listen to that well i want you to see this morning it is how they did it watch this you remember I told you about the early church, how it started with 120, next thing you know, it's got multiple thousands in just about 20 chapters, <laughs> okay? In, in the middle of that, Acts chapter 42, it says, every day, both in temple courts and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the Christ. They met day after day in temple courts. You know Day after day, temple. You know what the temple courts are? That's the large rooms outside the temple, the center of the temple, where the priest only could go. This is day after day, man. These folks are showing up temple courts, okay? This is what we call Sunday morning corporate worship. This is what we call our eight thirty and 10 service. This is temple. You're in temple court, okay? Temple courts mean you just all show up and you're all kind of facing in one direction, listening to somebody teach God's word. This is temple courts. And we do that well. But somehow, along the line, we've convinced ourselves, this is what ministry looks like. This is my Christian experience that I'll go sit in temple court, in worship service, sitting in rows, talking to nobody, listening to a preacher jabber for about an hour. Okay? That's what we think it is. We didn't read the whole story. You see, this is temple court. And in their temple court, let me tell you what I don't think they had. Padded seating. I just don't think they had it. You know what else I don't think they had? Amplification. There's 20,000 people hanging out over there and they're preaching. I I can't even holler that loud. You you know what I bet they didn't have? H-V-A-C. I bet they didn't have it. Rain or shine, hot or cold. You know what I bet they didn't have? A paved parking lot striped to put their donkey or the camel. I bet they didn't have it. You know what? I bet they didn't have a stinking 50-foot screen. I bet they didn't have it. They could have had it, but I don't think they had it. Okay? You know what they had? They had people who had an encounter with the true and living God whose name is Jesus. And they showed up together every day to learn more about him. Makes my me, makes me skin crawl. That's good stuff. But they didn't stop in rows. It goes on. And it said every day they came to temple courts. But every day they also met in house to house. Large circle, now small circle. Corporate worship, now small groups, house to house. So how big is the church supposed to be anyway? You know in America the average church is about 75 people. And we run 525, so you say, oh, that's a big church. Well, if you go to Texas, you'll find Gateway where Joel Osteen preaches, and he's got 43,000. You could go to Atlanta where Andy Stanley's at, 30,000. You could go to Oklahoma, Craig Groeschel's church, 30,000. Okay, well, that's a big church. Well, I kind of like house church. I got like big church where I can come in, no relationship, no accountability, slide in, check my box and go home. So which is it? Are we supposed to be a big church or a small church? In this passage, it tells us it's not either or, it's both and. It's large church, come and see, attractional. It's small church, small church, a small circle, go and tell, it's missional See, Sunday morning is more attractional. It's something to invite your friends. Hey, come and listen. To, come to Ch- Sturgey Hills, have some coffee, listen to the preacher. You know, check your babies in. Relax for about an hour and a half. It's a good gig. Okay, the music's going to be great. The preacher's going to be goofy, and it's going to be good. It's attractional. That's the big circle. You get equipped. Then you go house to house, meet in little circles. That's where the ministry happens. That's where the relationships are developed, and that's where the church grows and gets strengthened in relationship. Because we start becoming who we were wired to be, people in relationships, not out here flying solo. When you are flying solo, when you feel lonely, it may be because you're by yourself. And when you're by yourself, let me tell you who loves you more than anybody else. Are you ready? The devil Because you are easy prey for Satan who is a spiritual predator. Sundays are just supposed to be the push of it all. Not the point of it all. Sunday is not supposed to be a buffet. It's supposed to be like a mess hall. Because the church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. And God has a plan for it. And you are in his plan. Or you wouldn't be here. You're in His family. You're in His kingdom. You're in His church. And He wants you to be used for something greater than yourself. So, so I'm going to wrap it up. We're almost done. Almost done. Okay. I've never seen this before. I didn't read this. I hadn't heard it preached. It's been preached. And somebody's seen it before me. But I was sitting at the house. And I was, I was going through this, laboring over this message. And just like that, the Lord said... Here it is. And I told Kendra, I said, hey, I think I know know what drives this point home. And here it is John chapter 6. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, had just gotten his head lopped off for speaking the truth about Jesus. Cut his head off, put it on a platter, paraded it through a party. And Jesus and his disciples hear about it. No doubt the disciples are afraid. Jesus is not afraid of anything. He's God. But no doubt sad, mourning the loss of this incredible guy. That Jesus said he's the greatest man born of women. Now he's dead. And so they're disenchanted with everything. They're sideways. And Jesus said, hey, let's get away, okay? Let's just get in the boat and we'll go across the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible says they hadn't eaten anything so, they, But they all got in the boat, and here they go. Well, meanwhile, man, the world is finding out Jesus is legit. He's like off the charts. He's very attractional. And so they're watching him, and they, they meet him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. We'll find out in a minute, Fifteen or 20,000 people are gathered, standing up on the mountain beside the sea, looking down at Jesus. Jesus shows up, and he gets out of the boat, didn't have time to eat. He preaches all day. I like him. I like a preacher that preaches a good long time. No sermonette for Jesus, okay? He's diving in deep. He's preaching to them and his disciples. Remember, they hadn't eaten anything yet. So they're going to put it off on all those people standing on the shore. They come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, listen, man. It's like days getting late. All those people are getting hungry, which is like a cover-up for me and the boys are starving, boss. Okay? Okay? He says, we need to send them away to get something to eat. Now listen, here it is. Big circle, attractional, standing no doubt in somewhat of a row formation, all facing one direction at Jesus speaking to them. And Jesus said, why don't we feed them? Wouldn't that be better? What do we have? And so one of the disciples says, hey, I got this little boy. He brought his lunch. He's got a happy meal. He's got three biscuits and two fish in it. Jesus is like, perfect, perfect. He says, here it is. He looks around. I mean, they're sitting there thinking, perfect. You got got a lunchbox. We got 20,000 people looking at you. Big circle, standing in rows. You know what he says? Multiply that large group into 50 smaller circles. We're going to do ministry here today. And he took three biscuits and two fish and he He didn't divide it. If he would have divided three biscuits and two fish among 20,000, they would have all been starving. It's like an appetizer. I can eat three biscuits and two fish and then reach over and get some off Kendra's plate. That ain't helping. Dividing that's not helping anything. He didn't divide it, he multiplied it. And all of them were fed to the full. And then he said, hey, let's go get the leftovers. Twelve baskets of leftovers. That's what happens when you multiply. Now listen to me. If they would have sent them away, no doubt the families would have been fed. But they would have missed out on the beauty of a multiplication blessing. Isn't that amazing? Jesus gets it. He's God. So so what does that mean for you? Are you ready? Here it is. I don't ask for a lot. I ask you every week if you're lost, if you want to be saved. I'm going to nail that one down. I I, I got to do that. But other than that, I don't ask you a lot. I encourage you. I, I try to equip you and motivate you. But I don't ask for a lot. I'm asking. The pastor is asking the church family. Here it is. I want everybody in here to be in a circle, a small circle. Everybody. Every student, which you have circles on Wednesday night. And that's cool. Okay. We have some people already in circles. I want everybody to be in a circle. We're going to help you. All I'm asking you to do is take the tear off on the back of your life guide and tear it off and write your name and your cell phone number. And we're going to get you in a group. You say, well, I live in who'd have thought it. Well, we've got three or four people living out there in who'd have thought it with you. And we'll put you in a circle so you don't have to drive far. And you say, well, I'm already in a group. Yeah, and if you're in a good one, listen to me. I'm not asking you to divide your group. I'm asking you to multiply your group. What does that mean? It means you're in a good group. You understand the DNA of a good group. Don't don't quit your group. If you meet on Tuesday night or Thursday night, keep going on Tuesday night or Thursday night. But you remember what it felt like before you found that group. And you start another group. And you put on that card, I'll lead a group. That's how you'll be writing. It'll be real slow. I'll lead a group. Okay? You're multiplying the DNA of a good group. And there's a couple of hundred people. They haven't found the group you've you've been a part of yet. They're missing what you have. I'm asking now for about 20 individuals or couples to say, I'm going to be a small circle hero. I'm going to lead a group. Maybe you're coming out of another group, staying part of that group, but you're coming out to reproduce, to multiply. Maybe you've never led a group in your life, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I'll have to get me a commentary. I don't even know that. I'm not asking you to teach doctrine and theology. We'll do that on Sunday morning. I'm asking you to have a circle. That'll meet in your garage, your yard, or your house during the week at your choice. And we'll give you tools to help you do group with. And it's more building relationships than it is teaching theology. Okay? And if you say, well, I don't, I I can't, my, my living room's not that big. Guess what? We have a living room for you right over there in the other building on Sunday mornings. You can meet in one of our living rooms, one of our classrooms. And we'll take care of your kids right back here at 830. I'm telling you, we'll make it easy. I want you to be in a circle. Every single one of you. Look at the person next to you and say, I think he's talking to you. I am. I want everybody to be in a circle. I don't want anybody to be lonely. We got this thing called suicide, which is a major problem. Okay? I don't don't want you to walk in that feeling lonely. You know who I'm preaching to today? Me. Guess what? I'm not in a circle. Oh, I get to. Speak to a big old circle, you all, but I'm not in a small circle. And we're going to be in one. We're going to, we're, I'm not going to, I want somebody else to do all the talking so I can look at them mad like y'all look at me. <laughs> be checking my watch. I, can, I, got a, I got a show coming on. I got to eat, you know. That's mostly up here in the front row, but the rest of y'all do it sometimes. I can't see all of y'all. I want you to be in a circle. Kendra and I are going to be in a circle and our relationships are going to grow and this church is going to multiply again and it it has punched me in the soul it's big and you don't have to but don't miss the blessing of multiplication by selfishly saying i'm not even going to try it fill out your card Turn it in at the Connection Center on your way out. And we'll get you in a circle. And if you don't like that circle, we'll find you another circle. Bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to know today, you are are a relational human being. God placed it in your DNA. And I want you to know that you will never have a relationship like God wants you to have. With your spouse, with your children, with your neighbors, with your school, with your team, with your church, until you have a right relationship with the God who put it all together. And the only way you will ever have a relationship with that God is through Jesus, His Son. He is the only way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. You have to begin with a relationship with Jesus. And you say, I've heard all that before. That's great. Are you in it? If you're not, you have to come to a place where you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I've messed it all up and I repent of it. I'm not sorry I got caught. I just repent. I changed my mind about living that way. I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to be my Savior. Forgiving my sin and preparing me for heaven. But I want him to be my Lord, my master, my boss, the one I look to in everything for the rest of my life. And for the rest of us, your call today is to write your name and your information on a card located on the back of your life guide and tear it off. And drop it at the Connection Center and walk away. That's your commitment. I encourage you today. Father, thank you so much for the church. It's yours. I thank you for everyone that you're sending here. I thank you that I get to be here doing what I do. I thank you for your word. I thank you. how It just amazes me how you have linked it all together. And I thank you, God, that included in that is your design for us, which is all about relationship. It's all about circles. Help us, help me, help the church, help others. Walk out of lonely days and join in a circle where they can find community and relationship and love and ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.